Today on the podcast, we have the co-owner and co-founder of a rare clothing company. Imagine Goods partners with vulnerable people around the world to make vintage-inspired products that pay fair wages and create opportunity. Ayana and her business partner, Michelle Keim, recently won the Audience Award at the Social Enterprise Pitch here in Pennsylvania, where they made everyone cry and cheer simultaneously. Kedra and I were live streaming it from our honeymoon in Provincetown, and we shouted for joy at the end of their pitch. Ayana recently got back from a trip to Cambodia, Cambodia and is launching a new high-end line that may appeal to those of you who love the aesthetics of M.M. Lafleur, but who want to embrace sustainable, socially responsible practices. Welcome to The Behaviorist with Work Wisdom, where we help you adopt high-performance mindsets, behaviors, communication, and culture. I'm your host, Sarah Colantonio. And uh, today, our guest is Ayana Ehrman, the co-founder of Imagine Goods uh, and co-owner. Thank you so much for being on the podcast. Oh, thank you, Sarah. Thank you for having me. It's an honor. Absolutely. So I, I want to hear about the new line. I want to hear the name and, and a little bit about it uh, for yeah. our listeners. Yeah, yeah, great. So... Uh, Philomela um, is a name that comes from a story in Greek mythology. So Philomela was a woman who uh, was sexually assaulted by her uh, sister's husband, who then cut her tongue out in an effort to keep her quiet. And um, in an effort to gain justice, she wove her tap her story, the story of what had happened to her uh, into a tapestry and presented it to the gods in a request for justice. Um, they granted her request and turned her and her sister into birds so that they could fly away and be free. Um, wow. So Philomela, um, as a name, we felt uh, represented so much of what we stand for what we do, uh, you know, the idea that most of our artisans are survivors of trafficking, uh, yeah. sexual trafficking specifically. Um, so the idea that uh, these are women who are survivors. Um, and then also the idea, we love the idea in the story of Philomela, you know, she 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 took control. She, mm. she knew what she wanted. She wanted liberty and she... Um, you know, despite uh, being voiceless, she uh, found a way to make it happen um, and to ask for what she wanted. And that is so true of so many of our artisans. You know, we I think it, it has become sort of common parlance in the, the world of, you know, speaking about uh, the less fortunate or the vulnerable, that they are voiceless. But that yeah. that actually isn't true, really, is it? I mean, they they have voices. <laughs> I think yeah. sometimes their voices are shushed and mm -hmm. it, it makes those of us uh, who are not them uncomfortable, even those of us who yeah. uh, really actually want to support them, it, it is highly uncomfortable to hear uh, someone's story who has experienced this. So, um, and especially because a lot of the women we work with are then, you know, doubly exploited because they um, often, if, you know, they have are rescued, um, sometimes the only work they are given or given the opportunity for is exploitative work. Mm -hmm. um, Cambodia has a lot of manufacturing, a lot of garment manufacturing, um, and they the conditions are not 
always yeah. great. Yeah. Um, and so we, um, a lot of times, even those of us in the West who, um, you know, theoretically hate the idea of trafficking, we understand that it is modern day slavery. We nonetheless sort of resist the the ties to yeah. the way we live. We don't yeah. want to think about the fact that the way we shop um, actually can further exploit uh, women who are vulnerable um, or even sometimes push them into a situation where they are trafficked. Um, so Philomela, <laughs> a long answer to a short question. That, no, it's, it's the name of our new line. Yeah, that's that's wonderful. I, I, I think this is such an important issue. And so yeah. I, I'm, I really appreciate you coming on and, and talking about it. I, I was watching a documentary about, um, about sweatshops and the garment industry. And this one um, woman, she was like, well, yeah, I mean, at least it's, even though the conditions aren't great in the sweatshops, at least they're not being sex trafficked. She's like, I know it's horrible to say. And I was like, oh my word, like, you know, (laughs) what has happened to us that it's like, we're okay with, with that, um, with that level. Uh, So it's so important that we have a company like yours that is directly dealing um, with this. So You've been doing this for 12 years. Um, yes, different iterations of it, yeah. yes. <laughs> what what motivates you to keep going? Um, well, the, the stories of the women who uh, work uh, with us, who are our artisans, that, you know, I suppose in some ways I am greatly privileged and also, you know, burdened by the privilege of mm-hmm. hearing their stories. Um, but you know, I get to hear the, uh, um, really beautiful, uh, hopeful mm. stories of women whose lives have been completely transformed. And it is that, that hope that gives motivation, right? I think mm. if, if it were a situation where we looked at it and felt hopeless and felt, um, overwhelmed by the burden of the the awfulness of a scenario, well, you get stuck when you get overwhelmed. Mm, <laughs> it's yeah. really hard for anyone who feels that to ever feel like they can do anything. Um, but I have the great privilege of seeing stories of beautiful redemption and, you know, entire families whose lives are different. Um, and that always, uh, you know, sort of lifts my spirits mm-hmm. on the days yeah. when, you know, on the days when what I'm doing is essentially just an office job. You know, yeah. I'm writing invoices and, you know, sending letters with, you know, customer service <laughs> issues and quality control right. issues and to, you know, the, the some boutiques who buy our products wholesale and, um, you know, they're, it's, it's a business. Yeah. Um, and so I, I do have to, um, I have to come back to the stories of hope. That Mm -hmm. is what drives me. Hmm. A lot of the leaders we encounter at at Work Wisdom, they have practices that foster success for themselves, help them control the likelihood of a good outcome in a given situation. What are the practices that help you? Hmm. Um, I I am uh, someone who... um, takes deep value, deep joy, um, sort of sustaining joy in the concept of um, something that is bigger than myself. Mm -hmm. Um, And specifically, 
in in the idea of a loving God. That mm. is something that is centering to me, you know. Yeah. Um, and specifically, I, I a couple of years ago, I was going through a difficult time, and I instituted a practice in which um, I I believe that God shows her love to me through beauty. Mm. <laughs> I just believe yeah. that, you know, there that my eyes were made to see that yeah. beautiful sunset and this uh, crocus. And, yeah. um, you know, yesterday I saw the first, uh, tree blooms. I think it was a cherry tree that was just oh, wow. starting. It was incredible. <laughs> um, and you know, I, I sort of have this, I don't know if it's a theology ideology, something that I believe that this is how God shows her love to us mm. is by this incredible beauty that surrounds us. So I instituted this practice of, um, of, focusing on those things. You know, I think sometimes, especially when we're in seasons of um, high stress or um, difficulty, we we can walk by these things and forget to uh, meditate on the joy that beauty can give us. Um, the little things, you know, I think it, it's Mary Oliver who had a poem that, you know, it doesn't doesn't have to be the blue iris. Mm -hmm. <laughs> it can be the dandelion in a parking lot. And, yeah. you know, you look at it and it's astonishing. It's yeah. beautiful. And this is centering for me to feel like there is, there is something bigger, greater than me. And not just um, sort of existentially bigger than me, but also longer than me in the sense of historically, I, I am this, <laughs> mm. um, this tiny part of a history of people who have fought, you know, to, to change the way things are done, um, in for the better. Yeah. <laughs> um, and that, uh, that is centering for me. So wow, that's perfect. Mm -hmm. What are, what are the most inspirational podcast episodes, songs, poems you just mentioned mary oliver that you read or, oh, or yeah. listen to yeah what are your recommendations yeah i mean geez mary oliver is um i i love the sense of the sacred ordinary in mary oliver's yeah. work you know she she teaches you to look at the you know the ordinary things that mm. you 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 know, very quickly in life, people learn to look past the the bare trees on a bleak day. Mm. You you forget that this is actually incredible. It's <laughs> beautiful, and you you know if you can draw from these ordinary um, ordinary life rhythms, ordinary uh, circumstances, you know, I doing the dishes can be a spiritual experience for yeah. me. There's this ordinary sense of doing something that uh, needs to be done and then you finish and you've accomplished something. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I, I think there is, so Mary Oliver for that. Um, mm. In the last uh, couple of years, I have uh, I have gotten a lot out of the podcast Ear Hustle, which oh. uh, is, so Ear Hustle is, uh, was made by and about uh, prisoners at San Quentin State Penitentiary out in California. Um, and it was, you know, made by prisoners themselves who were wanting to tell the story of what their lives are like. Oh. Um, and it, you know, any anything that helps me experience um, 
something that is completely outside of my realm of experience, which, you know, I've, yeah. I've never been to prison. Um, you know, a lot of the men who are telling their stories are um, from very low income backgrounds. Mm. Um, a lot of them come from um, places where uh, gang life was the norm. Um, and so there are these experiences that are so far outside of my own experience. Yeah. And anything that can help me see that and understand it a little bit, um, I find incredibly valuable for my own um, life. And that, so that that podcast has absolutely been one. Um, I think uh, another podcast that I, I don't know if there's a specific episode really, but um, so Seth Godin has a podcast called oh. Akimbo. And, um, yeah, it's, it's, I find it, you know, they are short, um, little snippet podcasts and, um, they always, I, I always walk away challenged in the way that I am thinking about something. And I think mostly, uh, he challenges people to think outside the box, mm. to think creatively, especially when it comes to marketing in terms of, you know, at its, its core, marketing is an attempt to challenge cultural norms. Yeah. <laughs> it's an attempt to help people uh, think through the, you know, the cultural norm that they have accepted and maybe get them to think a little bit differently. Um, so as a business person, that has been incredibly useful because thinking in, in creative terms about marketing and how to tell the story of what I do um, has been really valuable. So... Okay, that's yeah. great. That's especially <laughs> so. I've heard of Seth Godin, but the but the yeah. um, the other one I, I have never heard of, and I love this uh, idea yeah. of it's like that idea of the bubble hop. You know, getting yeah. out of our own experience and and having a new perspective based yeah. on somebody else's. Uh, yeah, I love that about art <laughs> that we can right. we can do that. Right. It's perfect. And music, and yeah. yes, there's so many artistic mediums that help you do that in a way that is, um, yeah, so deeply, deeply impactful. So, Kedrin recently wrote an article about fearless leadership, and you were one of the people that she talked about in that article, um, yeah. sort of highlighting the courage that she's seen. Um, come from you and so you know she wanted me to ask uh, this question what what's required the most courage <laughs> from you in launching <laughs> yeah. your new line what's yeah. what, what's been sort of the toughest um well, <laughs> I don't know if this well the risk of failure in every way sure 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 <laughs> small enough concept of yeah. courage. i think you know two things really one is the idea that our new line philomela takes imagine goods somewhere we have not been before mm. and that is that we are trying to create pieces that are more upscale than mm. the way we started you know originally when we started imagine goods we had this idea that we were creating uh products that were um affordable, so accessible to 
a broad swath of people in the West and accessible both financially and in design. Mm. And what I mean by that, you know, financially, obviously, we wanted them to be affordable. In design, we wanted people to um, have an ethically made product that they actually wanted. So sort of (laughs) design-wise, something that, you know, they would go into any store and think, oh, I really like that. Mm -hmm. Oh, and and it's ethically made? (laughs) Awesome. so, but we never really had this, um, <laughs> what is somewhat essential in most businesses of, you know, a profit margin. <laughs> right. So um, the new line, the idea is that um, we'll be creating something that is a little more upscale. But with that, you know, comes a, a greater pressure, uh, especially design wise, because with our more affordable products, we could afford to fail quickly. We could afford mm-hmm. to create a new product. And uh, if it didn't work, we didn't make it again. And yeah. that was not a big deal. Um, with this, you know, we're investing a good bit more into mm-hmm. in the outset, you know, into the uh, pattern cutting and into the design itself, into the fabrics. Um, we're, you know, using fair trade, all hand woven, naturally dyed fabrics yeah. um, that is, you know, not inexpensive. Um, and so the idea that uh, we are wanting to create this product that is survivor made, made by survivors of trafficking, um, but that uh, is going to cost a little bit more, we need, we, you know, we can't afford to fail on it very much. Gotcha. <laughs> we, um, we need it to work. And the question for me, design-wise, is, you know, and, and I suppose it's always this way for people in this field, but um, is this actually what people want? You know, mm. do they want um, something that is a, a, a classic Uh, silhouette with modern touches, which Mm -hmm. is what we're going for? Mm -hmm. Or do they actually want fast fashion that is new every two weeks? Because that's the way fashion is going. It's, you know, now it's created by AI. AI, you know, Mm -hmm. it evaluates street fashion through social media and creates new pieces every two weeks, right? Which is crazy. So this is what we're competing against. And the question is, People say they want ethically made products. They want a classic piece they can wear, you know, this season and next year. But are they actually, do they, is, it, is that what they really want? Mm, <laughs> are they right. going to want it enough to buy it? Um, so that's, you know, that's a big question. Um, the fear of failure. And if we fail, um, it sort of is a make or break point for Imagine Goods mm-hmm. that um, if, we fail design-wise, then we fail financially. Mm-hmm. And if Philomela fails financially, then Imagine Goods is in a tough right. spot. And right. so it's all on the line, basically, is what I'm saying here, Sarah. <laughs> okay. Um, it, so it all requires courage, great, great courage. Um, and, you know, granted, courage with a lot of uh, wise insight mm. from people who know what they're doing. So we're not just haphazardly going out there right. and creating design pieces. You know, <laughs> where we we feel like we have a strong business model. Mm. Um, you know, we feel like we have our our finance our financial predictions in place. We feel like we have really good input for the designs. Um, so we have all that, but right. you know, it's still a risk. Yeah. So it takes courage. Yeah. <laughs> All right. Well, we'll we're. I'm gonna tell everyone I know. <laughs> I'm just gonna tell everyone. And, Excellent. Yeah. Thank you. Uh, well, you are the by word. having me on your podcast. Yeah. Exactly. <laughs> okay. We'll have you back. <laughs> yeah. All right. Thank you. Um. All right. That's that's great. I can't. I'm I'm so excited about this launching, and I think yeah. you know. I think it comes down to really though people. Uh, Kedron always quotes uh, the psychologist uh, Rapai about. 
uh, you know, mm. he always talks about hand. Like we, yeah. we actually, we, you know, it's nice to have things that are made quickly or whatever, but when it comes down yeah. to it, we want like the thing, we want the actual right. thing. Yeah. And, um, and this is such a powerful way to, um, to act uh, against something that is really horrible in the world. Like this yeah. is a way that we can, we yeah. can fight. So it's, uh, so I, I love it. And I think, uh, I think people are going to love it too. I think it's a, it's a, no, it's a you. calculated yeah. risk. I think it's a smart one um, <laughs> yeah. for sure. Right. Yeah. <laughs> uh, just based on it really, you know, going back to the, to the, social enterprise pitch i mean people in the audience just see, i mean even yeah. though we watched it uh, online it just seemed like people yeah. were crying and they were amazed and they yeah. were so anyway <laughs> i think that's exciting yes it is it is exciting i mean that was so uh, affirming for us you know we know we hear a lot when we're at events and selling our products and we actually meet our customers face to face yeah um we hear over and over again that people love what we're doing they mm. love our products mm -hmm. they but you know we don't actually often have that kind of affirmation because we sell online and we right. sell wholesale to boutiques and so we don't meet our customers face to face in a brick and mortar right. so that event having people uh, really uh, affirm us in that way mm. was was really meaningful for yeah. us so yeah what uh, what advice do you have for our listeners who are trying to find their courage? Uh, what mm. can they do or how can they behave to take the risks yeah. that are worth taking? Um, you know, I listened to this podcast a while ago. Um, or no, it was actually, I think it was a TED Talk. Um, so it was this by, by this Chinese man named Jia Jiang. Um, <laughs> I'm saying that correctly. And um, he did an experiment. He uh, was really afraid of failure mm. and rejection. And so he instituted a, an experiment called 100 days of failure. Mm. And, um, he very deliberately, um, went out and asked for things, um, tried to do things that were, uh, improbably <laughs> they were they had a high chance of uh rejection um so you know he asked things like he went to a car dealership and asked a salesperson to give him a lesson on uh selling cars and was told no um, okay. and you know he he sort of asked these really crazy random things <laughs> he went to you know somebody's house and asked them if he could plant uh, a plant in their garden. <laughs> and they said no. <laughs> um, and I think for him, the originally the idea was um, that he could inure himself to mm. the concept of rejection mm. by deliberately being rejected. Um, but he was surprised <laughs> to find out that it did that. But it also taught him a lot about um, how to uh, gain something surprisingly. Okay. Um, and so what he found was a lot of people said yes to him for really surprising things. <laughs> um, you know, he asked if he could make an announcement on the uh, loudspeaker on a flight. He asked a, a flight attendant and <laughs> surprisingly they said yes. <laughs> so I think what he learned though was, um, you know, certain things about, um, you know, how you ask and mm. how you engage mm. people. So it was really useful for that. But I think for me, the, the takeaway was more along the idea of, um, you know, a lot of times rejection and failure is scary uh, because we actually haven't 
done it enough. Um, So for me, um, putting myself in a place where I can experience uh, failure, um, sort of making it a commonplace occurrence, it D, um, it takes the fangs out of it, mm, you know, it, yeah. it D well, it demystifies it in a way because there's something about failure that when you don't know what it's going to be like to fail at something, it's even scarier. But once you have failed and you realize, <laughs> I mean, that wasn't the end of the world, <laughs> you know, <laughs> um, you know, it, it takes the fangs out of it. Um, and then you will, you know, have a much higher chance of actually doing things you want to do when you're trying things. Um, you know, isn't there an sort of probably overused expression that if you aim for nothing, you'll hit your target. Right. Right. Um, (laughs) So, um, I think, uh, I suppose my advice, um, that I daily try to live is the idea that, um, just try, I'm just going to try and I will, survive the, um, the consequences of failure, the rejection, you know, I'll survive it. <laughs> I think there is a certain, probably a, a level of humility to yeah. that, that is necessary, um, to survive, uh, failure or rejection. Um, and so building that into a, a thought practice of, you know, it, it, it affects the outcome, um, yeah. when you're, trying to do new things. Um, I, this, this concept of epistemic humility, you know, the humility of how I know things or what I know about things. I'm always trying to keep in mind, there's a lot, I don't know. Right. (laughs) Um, and, uh, that actually helps me to learn much quicker than if I sort of assumed that I did really know a lot about everything already. Um, and I find that it also helps in with courage um, to, you know, if I go out there and I know that I don't know everything, um, it actually in some ways, maybe paradoxically, uh, requires less courage <laughs> because I'm, I'm not going out there, you know, with the stance that I know what I'm doing. Um, and then you also have the added benefit that people help. Yeah. Um, people come alongside you when you are... Um, humble about what you need, what mm. you um, don't have in and of yourself. Mm. Um, we have found that people, people are are generous, you know, with mm. knowledge, with um, insight, with uh, help. Mm. Yeah. It, it really, I think, in some ways, is a, a an affirming affirming of humanity. Mm. Uh, that we have found the the helpfulness of people, the generosity of others. So So when you encounter disappointment, if that happens, what do you do? Oh, how do you, you you know, you said you're going to survive it. How do you manage it or, um, or even rebound and are strengthened by it? Um, I think for me, a lot of uh, managing disappointment um, comes with a face-on assessment of the disappointment. Um, And, you know, when I can uh, honestly and um, uh, with integrity, and I guess what I mean by that is... um, 
not trying to diminish any of the hurt Mm. or the frustration, Um, you know, acknowledging that those are things that I feel, you know, the disappointment, the, the actual consequences of failure of, you know, rejection of disappointment, Mm. whatever it is, but actually looking at those things, uh, for what they are, because I think there is something about, um, when you become really afraid to actually look at the consequences of, of your failure or of your disappointment, um, when you're afraid to really acknowledge that you're angry or that (laughs) you are deeply hurt by something, um, you know, the, that, that is super unhelpful. It doesn't allow you to um, then go on to evaluate, um, well, what went wrong? Mm. Um, And how can I do it differently next time? And, um, you know, I have always been a firm believer in the concept of fast failure, um, thinking, finding what is working, what is not working. And if it's not working, just don't do it. (laughs) (laughs) But it's really hard to do that if you're afraid to look at what's not working. Um, So, you know, it, there is an element of courage involved in this as well. Um, the idea that if you are honest with yourself and your emotions um, and with the the facts of the failure, um, it really will help you build on the failure towards something that is more successful. So mm, that's good. Mm. So last but not least, what's the best piece of advice you've ever been given that you can share with our listeners today? Mm. I, I was thinking about this, Sarah. <laughs> I was thinking about this concept. I, you know, I don't know that it's a piece of advice necessarily, but it is um, the it is the phrase that I sort of think of as the foundational phrase behind Imagine Goods and uh, why I began doing this 12 mm. years ago at all. Um, and it was Mother Teresa's quote, uh, we can do no great things, only small things with great love. Um, And this idea that, um, you know, I don't have to set out to do this uh, fantastic, you know, Mm -hmm. noteworthy uh, thing that will, you know, reach a broad audience to wide acclaim. (laughs) I can just do this little thing. I can do this that's in front of me with great love. And if it grows, fabulous. And if it is always just this little thing that I am doing, um, you know, that is absolutely still worthwhile Mm -hmm. and valuable. Um, so I think for me, that is a concept that allows me the courage to continue, uh, daily doing what I'm doing, um, in more ways than just in my business, obviously, Mm -hmm. you know, in other areas of life as well. So thank you. That's I love it. That's perfect. (laughs) Thank you for being so fierce and uh and so courageous. I'm I'm glad to know you. Um Mm -hmm. and and we're so grateful that you're part of this movement of of you're not only helping world changers, you are a world changer. Mm -hmm. Um so thank you again for, for sharing your story with us. Thank you listeners for downloading The Behaviorist. We hope you'll subscribe. Please reach out to us through our website, workwisdomllc.com, where you can enjoy Work Wisdom Press Productions, ask questions and suggestions of topics, 
you'd like us to explore in future episodes and check out Imagine Goods, please. <laughs> Keep an eye out for the new line that's coming out. Thank you again so much, Ayana. Thank you, Sarah. As is our custom, we'll leave you with One Minute Wisdom by Anthony DeMello. The master insisted that what she taught was nothing. What she did was nothing. Her disciples gradually discovered that wisdom comes to those who learn nothing, unlearn everything. That transformation is the consequence not of something done, but of something dropped. Thank you.